Welcome to another episode of Beyond Queer Stories. Today we have Anna Deshawn, 35, who is a Chicago-born digital media artist and social entrepreneur. Media has always been Anna's passion, so she turned her passion into reality when she founded E3 Radio LLC. E3 Radio is an online radio network curated from a queer point of view. Anna is determined to ride media into the next era, utilizing online radio streams to tell the stories that need to be heard. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. That was an awesome bio. The question that we always ask after this is, what identities do you feel most influence your experience? (laughs) For sure. That's an interesting, actually, way to ask that particular question. So I would definitely say black, queer, womanhood encompass the identities that I think embody me and my experience and how I choose to live and walk in the world. So your bio kind of focuses on E3, right? And I know we've chatted a little bit about that, but we definitely want you to tell the listeners all about that and how that was born. Sure, yeah. E3 Radio, online radio station playing queer and independent music in high rotation. Started about 10 years ago because I wanted to play my own commercials. And and originally I had started as an idea to do a college radio network. College radio is not sustainable in a way that was gonna be financially beneficial for me. Uh, And so I was like, well, well, I should just start my own show and play my own commercials. Hence E3 Radio um, and on the Q Crew is a show I've been doing for 10 years. And since that time, it has evolved into a lot of different things. So I had a number of shows on the network. I've had three to four on at one time all different types of topics. We had a poetry show at one time, we had a self-help show at one time, we had a 90s show at one time, we had a, we gonna help you be fit and healthy, mentally healthy at one time. I mean, we've had all types of shows. A year and a half ago, um, because I've always wanted to have the show on all the time, the station. And I was like, I'm constantly looking for platforms that could support that type of situation without needing to be in a radio studio. Because my hosts were all over the country, I could be anywhere, there had to be something. Finally, there was something. So a year and a half ago, we started streaming music, 24-7, 365, and it has been amazing. Uh, And I'm excited about the future and what that means for us to be on all the time. When you're streaming music, is it like just local artists or local artists and whoever you're working with? So we stream everything, legit. The the idea here, though, is that we stream queer and independent music in high rotation. So we center, we are choosing to center those experiences and that music on our station. At the same time, we got 90s at 9. Everybody love the freaking 90s. So the 90s come on at 9 a.m., right? Uh, we've got a queer blackout hour where it's only queer music that's played. We've got a Chicago hour where only Chicago artists are played. Uh, we got old school at night because who don't? like (laughs) (laughs) old school dusties in the evening um and then we even got jazz in there at at certain times so our lineup is really diverse and we're always looking for new music and new artists to highlight Mm -hmm. because that's really what it's all about yeah that's what i was thinking about how do you stay on top of all of that i don't the new music Uh, (laughs) so that's why i got a team i have a great team 
So my best friend, Jace, he's our curator of music. Mm -hmm. And so he's always finding new music. He's always finding new artists to play. We're always asking our friends. We're always asking people in our networks, yo, Mm -hmm. send us people to play who you think are good and don't have a platform to be heard. Mm -hmm. I think we are in a palpable time in music and in media in general where folks are choosing to do their own thing and not trying to fit into the mold of what a traditional recording you know, Bill would want you to be, right? And so people are saying, I'm just going to be me and I can do this independently. Mm -hmm. And those people need a place to be heard, Mm -hmm. right? So I think at the end of the day, we are a radio station for people who are looking for an alternative. And I think everybody's looking for an alternative. I think Mm -hmm. that's why podcasting is so huge, right? And we'll be transitioning into that space really shortly. And I think that's why Places like Vocalo are really popular. I think that's mm-hmm. why um, NPR has had to change how they do business. Yeah. You know, we cannot just do talk all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to do tiny desk, right? They mm-hmm. have to think outside the box of how we can remain relevant in a time where people are looking for alternative media outlets. Yeah. So I think at the crux of who we are looking to reach is people who are interested in supporting queer and independent artists. It's people who are interested in hearing new music and not hearing the same voices all the time, the same opinions all the time. And people who are really looking to reach an audience that is really dope, uh, who is really powerful, and um, people who need to be heard all the time. That's so needed. I'm getting snaps. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So I imagine that this journey has like taken you down unexpected paths, unexpected connections. What kind of things stand out for you in this 10 years? Like you've been doing it for a decade now. That's bananas. Um, (laughs) To even think of been doing anything that long. What I try to remember is that we have to remain relevant. I cannot say that more for anybody who's out here looking to be an entrepreneur or who is looking to do their own thing. It is it is not about remaining the same. Mm-hmm. You have to continue to move mm-hmm. and evolve and understand where the market is going. So for me, it has been a journey. Uh, we we had shows that were on specific times on specific days and flyers that said like Tuesdays at 7 First and third Tuesdays, first and, first Fridays, you know, that was a thing at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, being on, I wasn't always, we, all, we weren't always on on Thursdays at one time. We were trying to find the best days to be on, the best times to be on. I didn't mm-hmm. always do a podcast. I never wanted to be deemed a podcast. I always wanted to be deemed a radio station. Mm-hmm. And people were like, but it's online. I said, I don't care. <laughs> we are a radio station, right? I was really adverse mm-hmm. to the concept of being um, lumped into this podcasting space mm-hmm. at, at one time. Clearly, that is not the case, right? <laughs> um, I started my own podcast um, outside of the radio show. I think there is still a place for people to own and love radio. I am, mm-hmm. at my heart, a traditional media head, and I think there's a lot of value. I think radio is one of the most authentic mediums on the planet because I can be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. And I mean, heard and not seen, mm-hmm. excuse me. Because I think when you look at television, you have some, you know, there's certain expectations mm-hmm. that you have about what people should look like, be like, mm-hmm. do like, sound like. All these things start to happen that you don't even understand sub- subconsciously are occurring. Mm-hmm. When you turn on the radio, when my mother turns on the radio, 
every Saturday morning and Herb Kent came on, I had an expectation. Not only was I going to hear Herb Kent's voice, I was going to hear some old school music, mm -hmm. but I didn't need him to do anything special. I, I believed everything Herb Kent had to say <laughs> about the music he was talking about. I felt like he was an expert at that, right? Mm -hmm. When you watch the news, you don't know if they're, they're not experts at what they're talking about. They're yeah. reading a teleprompter, right? right? Radio is different. If I'm listening to WVON, Right. And I'm listening to Cliff Kelly. I believe he is an expert on the politics and the news in Chicago. I'm mm -hmm. listening because I feel like I'm going to get something more from him than I'm mm -hmm. going to get from a 30 second news bit. Right. Or mm -hmm. a bite. Yeah. I think there's just a lot of value in radio. So I'm still owning the radio piece, but I believe as we begin to evolve and want to remain relevant, we have to transition into the podcasting space. And I think the same way that we're able to create space for artists to play their music, I believe we can create space for podcasters mm -hmm. as well. We've got 24 hours of content every day that needs to be filled. We've got 365 mm -hmm. days in a year that needs to be filled of content. I am not going to play the same song 50 times a week. <laughs> I am not going to do that. So what are we doing? There's yeah. a lot of content being created and these creators and these creatives need space and we've got space. And I want to continue to like create space and ride that wave of media because I truly believe it can make a positive impact. Mm -hmm. I think when used for good, media can really create change and change with the people that are tuning in to you. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we as communities of color, as queer communities, have a lot of self-work to do. And I think we can do a lot of that through the media that we put out there. Yeah. One of the things that I never thought about that you just said is that how the news they're reading, a teleprompter, right? And on the radio, people are more free to speak their mind. And they're talking not only about like what's relevant, like you said, like you hear that person as an expert in whatever's going on in Chicago that they're talking about, but also they're part of that culture of that city too. So they're speaking from personal experience and personal just background as well. So it's much more rich and more social even. Like the news is coming at you and the radio is kind of, can be more with you. Absolutely. That's why people yeah. call in, mm -hmm. right? That's why people, there's some interactivity there. So one of the things you mentioned is that E3 Radio has led to a lot of other projects. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those projects? Yeah. So one project we just completed, it's a huge event that we do every year called the Purple Tie Affair mm. Concert and Silent Auctions. I started it six years ago when I turned 30 uh, because I wanted to give back to some of my favorite nonprofits and not do some like uh, turn up party at the club. Mm -hmm. So we decided to start doing these galas, which has been amazing. And so it's rolled into this whole situation. We've given like over $6,500 to various organizations in the Chicagoland area. Nice. We look to do it with small organizations who make big impacts. And mm -hmm. so this year, uh, the proceeds are going to go to the Chicago Black Gay Men's Caucus, which is an important organization in the city. Mm -hmm. They are serving a population of folks who not only need visibility, but still so much understanding. There's so much more to understand about masculinity, mm -hmm. um, how it can be defined, what it even means, and what men's femininity means in society. And I, mm -hmm. they are doing some really great work in the black community, also with HIV and AIDS, awareness, prevention, Etc. So I'm really happy that we're going to be able to give them some money. Money's still rolling in right now, so hopefully we'll know in a couple of weeks mm -hmm. the final total, but it was a wonderful event. So over the course of time, that has come about. We've also have started to embark upon an app. Mm -hmm. And this app 
is really exciting. And so we talk about remaining relevant. This is a part of that. So we're going to be rolling out in 2020 an app where you can download and listen to the radio station anytime you want. On top of that, the extra service is going to be this curated podcasting situation, which is exciting me to no end. And hopefully you all can hear that in my voice because there is I can't emphasize this enough, this overwhelming content being created Mm -hmm. by really amazing people. Mm -hmm. And podcasting in particular is interesting because it's so Mm niche I got a friend who has a podcast, so I know about my friend's podcast. Mm -hmm. You don't know about somebody else's friend's podcast, which Mm -hmm. is really dope, talking about something you are totally not interested in, Mm -hmm. but it's still really great content. Mm -hmm. That is sort of how this whole podcasting world has taken off. Goal here is to curate the dopest black, brown, and queer podcast into one place. So we're developing a Kubrick. The the app is going to be called The Cube. So we're developing our own Kubrick of how we are scoring these particular podcasts. We're creating our own scorecard. We're creating our own curation team. I think everything is about curation just because people are so mm-hmm. overwhelmed with content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, People want to be able to trust what they're going to listen to. Going to search in iTunes, iHeart, Spotify for a podcast mm-hmm. on a particular topic is like going into Lake Mission trying to find a really great fish to eat. Like mm-hmm. it's almost it's impossible. That's such a great analogy. <laughs> it is impossible to find. And what we want to do is put it all in one place for you. Yeah. So we're excited about the development of this app. This is gonna be another pillar of what we do, and I'm excited mm-hmm. about the possibilities of it all. Yeah. I love that because especially with podcasting taking off there's so many people jumping into it and creating content and I'm sure there's so many things out there that I would want to stumble across but all of these big apps get drowned by the NPRs and the iHeartRadio and all of the big companies who are putting out the ones that make a ton of revenue but you have so many people creating amazing content that are out there to be found and like when I hear stuff from people whether like I've heard of stuff during pride at festivals people were like oh because I was we were talking about um our podcast and like handing out stickers and people like oh have you heard of this one and then I start listening to those podcasts and to have a central location sounds amazing I think it's gonna be amazing I can't wait to release it we're gonna do a crowdfunding campaign we're gonna get some buy-in from the community about what mm-hmm. podcast they want to see in it. We already have a laundry list of them because I keep asking folks for them, and they keep giving me more. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I've never heard of that one before. Like everything yeah. is not the read. Everything, you know, is not these very popular handful of podcasts that mm-hmm. exist. There is a world of content out here. On various topics, and I tell my team all the time, I don't need podcasts in here that I agree with. Mm -hmm. I hope I find the dopest queer Republican (laughs) podcast that has ever been created. Uh Because I think it's important to highlight those points of views as well, Right. right? I hope I find it. I believe there is somebody out there who is doing that. And Mm -hmm. I want it, I want it in our app. So I think what's important here is the possibilities of what can be done. Yeah. When you choose to put your voice or to have your voice at the forefront and to use your own particular expertise. I think what people have today is this honing in on trying to find their best self, right? Oprah started this whole movement of find your best self. Well, I think where we're in right now is people have like, I have my expertise. Mm. 
I have this thing that I'm really great at and I want to extend my marketing campaign to reach more people. That's amazing. Instead of people just trying to be everything to everybody, you mm-hmm. cannot. And so people have, they started it with like their own radio shows back in the day when I started doing my thing 10 years ago, like the blog, blog talk radios of the world that were created for people to extend their marketing campaigns and their reach mm-hmm. that has now evolved into podcasting. Mm-hmm. So I think I want you all to go download and check out the cube. It, you'll be able to download it soon enough from the app store, but go to the cube.app, mm-hmm. uh, sign up for the list, serve, mm-hmm. watch the countdown clock. Nice. And, uh, Let's see what we can create together. I think it's going to be pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. And we'll have to wrap back around to that when we do promos. So if people have things that they know would be great for that, to let them know how to get that to you, get that content to you. Email me, please. Info at e3radio.org. Info at e3radio.org. And just email us any podcast that you think we need to be curating that fit our vision, Mm -hmm. black, brown, and queer. Nice. I'm excited for that. I listen to podcasts like nonstop, so I'm so excited for that content. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. We're about at your story time too, so can you let us know what you got for us? Sure. So this is a story that I read at Outspoken and here in Chicago at Sidetrack. And I am a fan of Sidetrack. They are my friends. And they do this great storytelling event. I had done it once before, and they asked me to come back. And I thought, you know, I can tell a story about when I had my breast reduction surgery because it is something that's not only personal to me, but it's this, I'm trying to find the word. There is this situation Mm -hmm. in like black, lesbian queer masculine or centered butch stuff whatever label fits you situation where i find like we have the biggest breasts and we don't want them and (laughs) you try to find shirts to fit you you try to find things and it doesn't work everything and you're just like why god did you get these to me and then my feminine girl if that's what you're into ain't got none and she wants mine and Uh I don't want mine. And I, for me, this is the route that I took because I was sick of them. And it was just a situation. So I was like, you know what? This will be a great story to tell. Um, It's not something I talk about a lot. It's not something that comes up in random conversation, right? But it's a great story because it was a huge, it was a huge step for me to take. There was a huge journey in in the situation and uh, people really took it well and received it well. I've done this story I think now three or four times in various spots and I'm not a storyteller people just ask me to tell it so uh, this is the story I'll share on the podcast I thought it'd be perfect I am the epitome of a daddy's girl I was with or around him for the majority of my childhood my mother was always there loving on us taking care of us keeping us organized but she really worked far out the city so I ended up spending a lot of time with my dad that meant sports lots of sports sports and education are at the center of my dad's existence, and so they became the center of mine. I grew up a gym rat, and I loved it. Not only did I love sports, but I was really good at them. At my grammar school, you could try out for the basketball team when you entered sixth grade, so I did. I didn't care that it was a boys team either. I just wanted to play. Now, of course, I made the team because I told y'all I was good, 
But something unexpected happened when I turned 11. All of a sudden, these things started to grow, especially these two things. Puberty had officially hit. It made my clothes fit different, and they gave me unsolicited attention from boys, especially at school. My most dreaded time of the day was gym. Now, go figure for the gym rat. And it wasn't just gym. It was the jumping jacks we had to do. One, two, three, and a hold your chest. I wish they would stop staring. This was a daily occurrence. Gym was the worst, and I quickly realized there were never enough sports bras. Like, never. And let's be clear, there is totally a method. If you have big breasts, there is a method to how you put on bras. I would go tight, then slightly looser one, then the tightest one. Yes, three levels of protection. It was needed and it still didn't keep them in place. Now, as I grew up, my disdain for my breasts grew. I just did not like them. They didn't fit me. Like, why God did you give these to me when all the ladies I know really want them don't have them? They would say, oh, Anna, could you just give them to me? And I'd reply, you can take them. You just let me know when. As I got older, I would wear sports bras to try and keep them flat. Then I got a hold of the best spandex undershirts that would keep my breasts extra flat. They aren't that comfortable at all. Actually, they are not comfortable, period. But you get over it for the greater good, the greater good of looking and feeling good in the world. Well, after years of wearing these uncomfortable spandex undershirts and saying that I wanted a breast reduction, at 32, I decided I had waited long enough, that it was time to make this happen. When I told my mother of my plans, the first thing she said was, well, you never really liked them anyway. <laughs> I couldn't do anything but laugh because she was right. Mothers always know. Then the question was, well, do you want to be a boy? The transition question was always the next question. Quite a few people around me had transitioned. They were in the midst of transitioning or seriously thinking about it. It's trending. And there were times when I considered it. I had a packing phase. It was interesting how we are conditioned to associate packing with power. I did feel some level of that, but it really didn't resonate with me in the same way that it did with my friends who decided to transition. So when my mother asked this question, do you want to be a boy? I was clear that transitioning for me was not what I needed to feel whole. Through community conversations, my own reflections, I came to know that I wasn't in the wrong body. I didn't have a desire to be a man. Rather, I needed my chest to reflect the woman I am. And the woman I am knew that these two things had to go. So my BFF recommended I go see Dr. Allison Shore, and she changed my life. When I had my first consultation with Dr. Shore, she asked me what size I wanted to go down to. I said, small, like really small. And she said, softball size small? I said, no, smaller. She said, tennis ball size small? Nope. Smaller, please. She said, golf ball size small? Yes, I want golf ball. Then surgery happened. I was very high. It was short. It was sweet. Then the pain happened. It was a long recovery. The tears happened. Can't bathe myself. I can't move too much. Then the healing happened. Creams that helped the scars, throwing away those spandex undershirts, putting on a button-up shirt, 
looking in the mirror and smiling, 10 pounds gone. My wife, my family, my friends, they were all there and I needed all of them. Finding the solution that was best for me took time. I'm grateful I had the time. I'm grateful that I decided to own my own body. And I challenge you to do the same. I personally believe that we get one physical chance at this thing called life. And you really should make it a point to live it to the utmost. Live your best life. Own your own joy, period. Love it. Yay. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me to share it. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) It's a good story to share. Thanks. That's, I think, one of the unique parts is, like, that connection you made where, like, people ask about transitioning after, right? Like, they assume, like, if you're going to do this, they equate it with, like, oh, it's top surgery and now you must be wanting to transition. Mm -hmm. What is it like kind of fielding or what was it like fielding those questions and all of that when people came at you with that? Yeah, well, it was something I had thought about myself. I mean, Mm -hmm. at one point, I mean, I know some in my age group were the earlier groups of folks who were transitioning. So mm-hmm. I had known a lot of people, I mean, 10, 15 years ago, there were, those were the early folks who had had started that whole process. Um, and so I had known a lot of people who had, so I had thought about it. I mean, we all started off as like little baby dykes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, <laughs> and we all dressed the same, we all had the same interests, but then some of us had decided like being transitioning was gonna be best for them. So mm-hmm. it was something I had totally thought about. Yeah. Um, and by the time I got to the point where I was ready to have my breast reduction surgery, I was clear that that is not what I needed. I was clear, like packing and like, that was cool for a while. I definitely enjoyed packing, going to the club. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, but it wasn't something I needed to do daily, mm-hmm. right? And so my friends who transitioned, it was something they did every day. It was a part of their being. Mm-hmm. I never had that connection. Um, and there were just other things that were just different about our experiences. And so the more that I just took time to learn who I was, it was, it was the more I understood that that's not what I needed. So fielding those questions was fine for me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who I don't mind explaining. Yeah. Um, I think one of my mentors um, in undergrad, Dr. Wanda Everidge, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. And when you have the knowledge, she's always told us it was our job to share it. Mm-hmm. You are responsible now to share this information. And so I don't get offended very easily. I don't mind sitting around and talking to people about their own biases or why mm-hmm. that's racist or why that's homophobic or why that's transphobic or xenophobic. And we could just keep going on about mm-hmm. the phobics. Um, I don't mind taking the time to do that. I think there are some people in the community who will say, like, you just need to go Google. I'm not here to be your uh, your counselor in this situation. And mm-hmm. I understand that, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I'm not someone who is who was easily taken off their square. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind um, explaining to people my particular point of view or mm-hmm. my particular experience with this one, because I think it's important for people to know that I, I love being a woman and I love being one who identifies as being masculine of center. And I love being black and I love being queer. And all of that is who I am. And mm-hmm. Having getting rid of those 10 pounds was the best decision I ever made in my life, period. 
Uh, I mean, marrying my wife was great. <laughs> uh, that's definitely a highlight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, there's some highlights, but for me personally, it changed my life. Mm-hmm. I'm an athletic person. My back pain, mm-hmm. the the pain that ex- you experience in your shoulders, clothes, how you want to appear in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, people was always binding too. Mm-hmm. I I mean. It's just the most uncomfortable situation to feel like you are pieces of your body do not fit who you are. Mm-hmm. And and in that regard, I relate a lot to my friends who have transitioned, who identify as trans or gender nonconforming or mm-hmm. however they choose to identify. In that sense, I can relate to how they feel. So it's not like those two situations are like direct opposites they're more Mm -hmm. like cousins it's probably another reason i don't mind having that conversation with people yeah what did your parents say when you saw that (laughs) they saw that you did it well my mother like uh, in the story i say how she was just like well you never liked him anyway Mm -hmm. uh and when you're growing up you really don't have a concept for how your parents see you Mm. explain that Sure. You see your parents a certain type of way, but you have no concept of how your parents see you. So Mm -hmm. when I say that, I mean, your parents changed your diapers when you were six months old. You have no idea. Like, uh, they saw your personality before you saw your personality. Mm -hmm. You begin to learn your own personality, but they know your personality. Mm -hmm. They, um, they saw your interests or what you could be interested in before you knew you were that interested in it. Mm-hmm. Their perspective of you is different and comes differently than how you see yourself. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'd be like, why didn't y'all just tell me I was gay? Like, <laughs> we could have saved ourselves a lot of time here. <laughs> I mean, there were some telltale signs going down. So, but it wasn't their place, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, I had aunts tell me later, like, Anna, like, really? <laughs> I'm like, but why didn't you just say something? <laughs> you know, but it wasn't their job. Mm-hmm. That's not their job to say something. Their job yeah. is, like, to love you and to take care of you. Uh, my parents and my family is amazing at that. And so by the time I got to the to who knowing who I am and all that good stuff, you know, basically they're just like, well, finally, good for you. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Uh, <laughs> um, we've been waiting, we've for, you been waiting for you to catch up. <laughs> uh, we saw that a long time ago. So that's what I mean when I say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And a lot of that reflection comes just when you start to take care of other children. I've taken care of children in other relationships. Mm-hmm. And you begin to understand the level of responsibility and how in tune you are with that younger being that mm-hmm. is so reliant on you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how we got there, but the what I uh <laughs> but that's just part of through therapy, I think I'm getting my homie to make a shirt that for me that says therapy saved my life. Mm-hmm. Because it is on those times of reflection that you begin to not only learn and see yourself, but learn and see others. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out and all that good stuff. I grew up in the church. I didn't know how that was going to go. I did not have good. I did not have high expectations about how that was going to go. My my father's side of the family started their own church on 63rd uh, that I went to. Uh, but then I had a whole nother church uh, where I went every Sunday. So I had two Easter speeches. I had two Christmas speeches. I had there was two uh, church a lot of times. There was <laughs> choir rehearsal on Wednesdays. I was church and so 
coming out, I really did not know how this was going to go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that as you begin to do your own work on who you are, as you begin to understand how you take up space in the world and understand, and then you catch up to where your parents already know <laughs> you're going, mm -hmm. there's just something really special about that. And so I was, when I finally decided to have my breast reduction surgery, this is where we were going with that. My father, uh, my father really didn't mention it much. Mm -hmm. He didn't say much about it, which is not an abnormal situation. Mm -hmm. He wanted to know if I was okay. Mm -hmm. um, he's more concerned about my health than anything else. And my mother was just happy that I was happy. I think one of the funny things, like how you started with talking about all your friends who are more masculine of center who had like the bigger breasts, right? Oh. I have so many friends who that's true for too. It's yeah. It's just it's weird. Like, it's, it's like a huge, I don't know, it doesn't always feel like a coincidence because it's so many people. Mm -hmm. Like, why is this? It's like guys make a funny joke. It's like, <laughs> right. it's like this is joke God has right. <laughs> about this experience yeah. uh, about <laughs> for all of our lives. It's, it is... It is a strange thing, yeah. but it's a very real thing in the community, you know? And so I don't know if we're just supposed to be challenging everybody's ideas of what femininity is or mm -hmm. what masculinity can be or whatever, yeah. but it's, mm -hmm. It is, like, when I think through, like, all my Masculine of Center friends, mm -hmm. I have trouble thinking of one who doesn't have that complaint and who isn't always struggling with binding or you know shirts fitting the way they want them to fit mm -hmm. and then all my more femme friends are like hardly have anything mm -hmm. it's like what what the fuck yeah what happened there right yeah yeah myself yeah. included right yeah. <laughs> like mm -hmm. i'm just gonna relate it to guys having a really funny joke yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's mess with these queer people <laughs> yeah because otherwise it doesn't make no sense uh -huh. right so this is the first time i heard of somebody choosing like a reduction like that, right? Because I feel like a lot of people bind or they do end up transitioning, get full top surgery. Do you know anyone else? Like, have you been able to connect with anyone else who chose reduction? I have connected with a lot of people who have thought about it. Okay. <clears throat> um, it's expensive. Yeah. Right? So there's some barriers here when we talk mm -hmm. about uh, finances, medical coverage, mm -hmm. I was really in a wonderful situation. Dr. Allison Shore is amazing. She wrote my letter to my insurance, right? They covered my, my surgery. That is not the case for everybody. Everybody does not have that type of access. So I have connected with a lot of people who want to have it. But some people are just afraid. They're afraid yeah. of surgery. They're like, I can just keep living like this. My wife loves me. Mm -hmm. You know, I keep just finding clothes that are just, they're just going to do what they do. I'm just not that type of person. So I am not the type of person who just sits in a mediocrity or sits in a mediocre situation. The way that my body was feeling, it was a mediocre situation. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was not living my best life and I do not believe in not living my best life. And I knew that my best life meant dropping these suckers down off my back. <laughs> to golf balls. Yeah, all to, the way down. To, as little as golf balls because <laughs> golf they say balls. that they grow a little bit back. They grow yeah. back a little bit, right? Uh -huh. And then I've always had the thought that I'm going to have kids. I'm going to like mm -hmm. carry a baby. And I'm like, they're going to grow even more. And the last mm -hmm. thing I want to do is have surgery again. Yeah. So let's just do this small, <laughs> right? Let's yeah. just go small and then I'll allow nature to take its course. Yeah. And I'll be okay with wherever nature takes me, you know? Mm -hmm. But we're going to start where we're going to. Like at the beginning, mm -hmm. like in the beginning, That's smart golf balls. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. But they're gonna grow. Mm -hmm. and you, I didn't even like 
It's like golf balls? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even with aging, right? Like just women's bodies and mm-hmm. aging and things just change Skin shape and size. Oh, oh, 100%. And also breast cancer runs in my family. Mm. So that's always a concern. Some people bring up to me as well. So I had like, you know, a whole mammogram situation. I mm-hmm. did the BRCA testing my genetics. And mm-hmm. I was surprised my genetics came back negative. Right. Mammogram came out great. I had to have two mammograms. Just so you know, people, if you go for your first one, you have to go back for a second one because they don't know what the first one looks like. So you'll always go back yeah. for a second one and it drives you insane. Yeah. You're like, what did I need to do it twice for? Um, but they don't have anything to go off of mm-hmm. when you don't, when you've never had one. So your everyone's situation looks a little different. Mm-hmm. So they have to do it the second time. Drive you insane. Just a little note, right. a nugget. Um, so I went through all those processes before having the surgery because I've always been paranoid about breast cancer mm-hmm. and it's just a situation where I don't want them to be to go away and then I can't feel yeah. if I do my own self exams I can't yeah. know what's going to happen so that was always and it is always on the back of my mind too so those those types of conversations have come up so mm-hmm. do I know anybody else who's had a breast reduction no I know plenty of people who've had top surgery yeah uh, with Dr. Allison sure actually nice but no one else who's had, who is like me who has had breast reduction surgery. And that's another reason I wanted to tell a story. Like, this is an option for you. Because mm-hmm. I wanted people to know that this is an option for you. You don't yeah. have to continue to live the way that you are. You don't have to transition mm-hmm. just because you don't like the size of your breasts. Like, those are two totally different things. Right. Yeah. yeah and there's a lot of cis hetero people who have reductions right we don't think twice about that but then a queer person it's like well but are you trans are you confused like what's happening with you but if a cis hetero does you're just like oh you're back or your health or okay that's cool and there's that different perception for queer people i feel like sure because with queer folks gender identity comes into it right um for hetero folks on the streets uh they, that's not something <laughs> that is on uh, their list of things mm-hmm. right but when we talk about queer people gender identity is huge mm-hmm. and how you want to perceive is huge yeah it's a huge part of your identity so. yeah yeah and like i've met some like i know some straight cis people who also have like some because anyone could have dysphoria right like mm-hmm. Any person with any body can have dysphoria who, like, have some dysphoria around their size of their breasts and, like, feel like – because they have, like, smaller frames or more petite frames, but then they have larger breasts. And, yeah, it's painful, but then also they just feel out of balance in their body because of that disproportion within them. So, yeah, I I feel like we kind of – put that on people like why like the why and the justification and like people expect certain justifications but anything someone does to like align with their body we should just support absolutely and you got brick breasts and you love them freaking love them right let them show i'm sure there's a lot of queers out here that would love right. to see them you know like i mean you just this is the point where you just want to be able just to love your body like yeah love the like love the skin you're in it's such a generic and mm. corny uh, <laughs> saying but there's so much truth yeah in that just yeah. loving every piece of who you are is at the crux of you truly having some love self-love for yourself because mm-hmm. um, it takes a lot to get there because there's a lot of things around us telling us how it should and should not be mm-hmm. and so when you're okay with exactly who you are and how you were created then 
you're far, far above um, lots of folks who are choosing not to do their own work. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you sharing all of this. Absolutely. You still wear, do you wear binders now? Like, is that? No, I threw them away. Really? Oh like my all God. Of them? All of them. Sometimes I don't even wear a bra. It's like the most amazing oh thing on the planet. <laughs> it's so I, great. It's so great. And so people who don't do it, who, who have never, who have never had to like do what I did, and people who don't wear bras sometimes, just just they've never had to sometimes. Like, and I say that they were like, yeah, I'm like, heck yeah. yeah, it is amazing. And my wife be like, you gonna do what? I was like, I'm not wearing a bra today. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, she rolls her eyes sometimes. <laughs> She's like. Huh. It, uh, it's great because nobody knows, you know, yeah. the difference. And it just feels so freeing. Right. And it's, I never had the option before. So, yeah, no, I threw all the binders away. The only thing I have never thrown away was actually the binder I got after surgery. So there's a particular one that you have mm-hmm. to wear. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's sentimental or whatever, but it's still in my drawer. But it's a, it, that's the only one that I have. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the freeing things about having a smaller chest. Like, I, for whatever reason, the beginning of this year, I was like, my goal is by the end of the year to stop wearing bras just because I hate, they're so fucking uncomfortable. Mm. They just feel restrictive and, like, I don't have a lot that needs to be held up. And it just feels so good to not have one on. And people are like, wait, you're going to go out of the house like that? I'm like, yeah, everyone has nipples. If you see my nipple, get over it. <gasps> like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, why are you worried about seeing them? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a whole other situation. Right. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> breast reduction and surgery is an interesting beast. You go into it knowing that you may lose feeling in your nipples. Yeah. Um, you also go into it knowing that you may lose color mm. in your nipples. And so people get tattooed mm-hmm. yeah. um, if they want the color back. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, totally is a personal choice. Yeah. So I went into it knowing I made, all that may happen. Neither one of those things happened for me. I know for people who it has happened for. Mm-hmm. And my nipples, they're hard all the time. And so it's so funny because I've noticed, like, when I'm at the gym, I'm like, dang, this, uh-huh. this dry fit shirt, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do nothing about that. Yeah. Uh, it's, I have no control. There is absolutely nothing that needs to be done. And mm-hmm. they can be hard. And I'm just grateful I got feelings, so I don't care. Right. Uh, but it's just a funny situation Yeah. Um, in that regard. I think there's something totally freeing about being able to own your own body how you want to own it mm-hmm. and Absolutely. living in it how you want to live in it. Mm-hmm. Deal, deal. <laughs> <laughs> the more of this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny because my nipples do the same thing. Like they're always, I don't know, they've just always, always been hard. So then you go out and you're like, people are like, are you cold? I'm like, that's just, that's just how they always are. And I don't want to wear a bra today, so you just deal. Yeah. Yeah. Just deal. I appreciate that. We're almost at wrap up time. All right. And do it. Shameless plug time. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Shameless plug time. I like this time. All right. Yeah. Um, All of it. Radio station, E the number three radio.fm. Go check it out. Playing queer and independent music in high rotation, 24-7-365. E3 radio everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Do your thing. Find the one you like. Anna Deshawn everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, AnnaDeshawn.com. I'm also doing, check out my podcast, Anna's Got a Word. Be dropping one in a couple days because my friends was like, where's yours? It's, I promise it's in my phone. It's all produced and everything. I just <laughs> need to put it up somewhere so some people can listen. So um, that's popping off. It's just a podcast where I 
give some advice. I just talk about my experience of what's happening mm -hmm. in my life, and I try to keep it pretty simple. So uh, check that out if you get an opportunity. And uh, I think that's the end of my shameless plugs. Also, the Cube. Yeah. The Cube. That app. There's just so many things. The Cube. That app. Go subscribe to the mailing list and uh, follow the countdown clock because we're excited about what that app is going to be. Cool. And I know you just had your fundraising event. Are there any other events coming up if people are in Chicago that you want them to check out? Anything where they should catch you at? No. Okay. Don't catch me anywhere. Hopefully I'm like uh, <laughs> hibernating <downtime>. somewhere. <laughs> yeah. This happened just a couple of days ago. I'm still in recovery. Right. I'm sure there'll be plenty of things you can catch me at. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I do a lot of work with Affinity Community Services as well. So we have our gala on Saturday. You can catch me there. I promise. I'm probably going to be everywhere. But um, mm -hmm. if you aren't familiar with affinity serving black lgbtq folks with a particular focus on black women 24th year of service located on the south side of chicago and we have our our annual gala on the 12th uh black and gold and um if you can come out that's great but if not that's okay because you can check out affinity anytime at affinity95.org and cool. so we have that coming up and uh you know Eyes be around. So Sweet. just yeah. follow wherever feels good for you. It was great having you. Yeah, hey, you. thank you so much for the invite. Absolutely. It's been great spending time with y'all. You too. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories. Also check out the creator of our podcast music, B. Studwell. She's an incredible queer artist from D.C. And you can check out her music at bstudwell.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to rate us so others will be able to find our podcast. Talk, Talk to you all, all next week. week. Next time on Beyond Queer Stories. My antidepressants haven't been working very well, so I talked to my doctor about ECT. And ECT is uh, electroconvulsive therapy. And it sounds scary. And I was scared at first, especially when I figured out that Part of the procedure is going through and having a small seizure.